Welcome to the 42nd episode of In The Vitrine. My name is Danny. And this is Nadia. And today we'll be talking about MTV. Cool kids in the house. <laughs> <laughs> From like a older generation. Uh, yeah, so we, I don't know how we decided to talk about MTV, but um, just a day ago I saw uh, online that there are now kind of like um, guesses for who's going to be nominated for the VMAs or the Video Music Awards. Mm-hmm. So I guess what remains of MTV today is mostly seen in the Video Music Awards that they host every year, which have given us like iconic looks and um, it's a very big award for musicians to get based on their music videos and how they do. Yeah, and the thing is, I mean, you know, we don't think much about it now because uh, music videos are such a big part of the music industry. But, you know, it started at some point and, you know, MTV began in 1981. Yeah, okay, so wow. that's a long that's time ago. Before we were born. Yeah, and, you know, the first music video that they play is actually you know really telling of how it was um like a landmark moment it was called video killed the radio star video killed Killed the the radio radio star Do you like our singing voices? I hope so. Because <laughs> we're going to hear a lot of it. <laughs> but it was by, is it the Buggles or the Bugles? Gosh, I don't even know. But anyway, you know, the song, you know, um, the title itself tells you that it heralded a new era, you know, where before you would listen to your music on the radio, you would wait, you know, patiently or impatiently for your favorite songs to come on. You get excited when like a really fun, amazing song comes and then you'll go and try to buy it from like the record store, um, which also now reminds me of HMV. Yes. At the Huron, where I spent quite a bit of my childhood or my youth, I guess. Me too. Yeah, so um, Video Killed the Radio Star. And of course, that is quite an extreme statement to make. But, you know, for us, um, thinking about MTV, we really want to talk about how that has had an influence on dress mm-hmm. uh, and how also music then had an influence on dress, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. And yeah. so, I mean, we already know that bands like the Beatles use their image and the way that they dress as a big um, way to communicate themselves. And and this was pre-music television. So once music videos were a thing, images were disseminated around the world. And MTV is an American company, so... A lot of what I grew up with knowing about American culture comes from my knowledge of MTV. And um, even the logos, um, everything that they did was meant to be really young. It was for a very young demographic. They did all this special curation of music videos, themes, and the the VJs, the video um, jockeys, as they were called, were really became like a like cult personalities as well and MTV also eventually did TV shows and they began the first reality TV show um, called the my my real life or something like that yeah I need to look it up yeah and you know like when we were researching for this episode we were really excited and we have like so many things we want to talk about so like please forgive us if we like jump back and forth yeah um yeah but 
Danny's gonna continue first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think for me, MTV was so formative to my growing up. Like, I would go to my mom's boyfriend's house, who and he had cable. So in Singapore, cable TV was not in every household, and this was the only way that a young primary school kid who had no access to anything else, and this was pre-internet, um, would get to know about all these stars and what they are wearing and. And the fashion of that time became very iconic, and it's how we remember the '90s and the 2000s now. Yeah. So I remember that. Well, one of my favorite uh, music videos um, to to watch was always um, I loved TLC mm. so much, and one of my favorite music videos by them was No Scrubs, and this was in 1999. So it was 1999 was a year when people thought that they were gonna die like 2000 was gonna be the last year there was like this the apocalypse yeah it was so crazy and so a lot of music videos had this very futuristic uh, look where the the background seemed like it was in a space shuttle um, we had Jennifer Lopez with waiting for tonight which is this big countdown party waiting for tonight ah. <laughs> And then, sorry, <laughs> no scrubs was also like they were wearing this kind of cargo uh, no pants yeah. with um sil- in silver. Uh, they were wearing these bikini tops, and T Boss is wearing this like kind of leather fetish inspired uh, combat boots, and they were really cool. And they were singing all these like very empowering feminist songs and um. Destiny's Child, so that was... I'm a survivor. Was yeah. that this time as well? Um, the, at oh, that time, know, in 1999, it was Say My Name. So Say My uh, Name say also, my name, say my name. Yeah. it was all color coordinated mm-hmm. and the set was moving. And for those of you who are too young to know, Beyonce used to be in this band called Destiny's, Destiny's Child. Destiny's Child. Yeah. And they, it, it was notorious for the way that they always replaced the fourth member. And it became like a really mean uh, meme as well a few years ago about you being the the Michelle of the group, like the person who gets forgotten. Yeah, well, there's besides Beyonce, that was Kelly Rowland and Michelle Williams. I think these are the, the core, core one. Yeah. yeah, and then the fourth one, Latoya. Yeah, and then it changed. Anyway, the the garments, if you look at them now, it's what you see on the runways. It's like really um, sleek, color coordinated. Um, jersey garments with yeah. cutouts and, and usually made by Tina Knowles uh, Beyonce's mom oh I didn't know she was a costume maker I'm pretty sure okay it's amazing yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah the, so so the the fashion that you see today that a lot of young people are yeah. looking at is very much inspired by this moment in music television in in fashion whether people on the streets really look like that well I think the cargo pants were a thing, like even down to this fashion, which was a, a budget retailer, they would also make copies of cargo pants and all these different garments that you could see on music television, in MTV. Yeah, I remember that at that time, you know, everyone was making cargo pants and I had like a pair from Abercrombie & Fitch. Wow! Yeah, like so nice. cool. Nice, so um, cool. <laughs> but it was very strange how I got them as well. I mean, just like a segue, it was from my aunt's um, garment factory in Cambodia. Wow! Like, you know, those run-off sort of like... Yeah, so yeah. I was really pleased because I, I got some pretty snazzy yeah. um, cargo pants. So Abercrombie & Fitch became a huge thing that was 
like super Americana, very preppy, and it was in this song by LFO called Summer Girls, where he goes like, I like girls who wear Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah, yeah. So songs and music and like how they name drop brands and how they dress the people in their videos were huge movers for these brands. Yeah, and now that you say that, I remember that also um, there was Tommy Hilfiger, right, with like the underwear with like the, the band that said Tommy Hilfiger yes. I'm a Tommy girl yes. right and of course nobody to me is more a Tommy girl than Aaliyah yes um, who unfortunately uh, passed away in a helicopter helicopter crash right yeah. I think so, yeah. we, so we watched some of these stars also die through music uh, through MTV like they would cover or they would do homages to these musicians absolutely yeah and it, it just is you know, I think what was exciting about MTV was that it was imported, right? It was very different from our lifestyle here. And it just kind of like puts you in this whole other kind of like cultural zone. Because I now recall that aside from watching MTV, you know, I would I would go buy those like American magazines like oh, Teen Vogue or yeah. Jane. Um, and I would get them from, you know, magazine stands that sold these magazines, you know, and then you would be able to see images of things that you had kind of seen in MTV, yes. so it was like a whole experience. Yeah. yeah, and another thing that MTV, I think, pioneered or like made very popular for our generation is the idea of multi-genres. So you could have like um, a really dark video by Marilyn Manson sitting next to a, a Alanis Morissette folky song or a pop video um, but what I really learned a lot from MTV was about rap and hip-hop so as like a primary school kid that was my source of information for mm. um, rap and, and hip-hop and also what they were wearing right yes. like you know the dripping in chains kind <laughs> of thing with the dollar signs and yeah. um, you know like the gold that singular gold tooth sometimes yeah. that they have or the tattoos yeah. So now I, now I remember what kind of spurred the MTV thing. We were talking about thongs and Cisco last, last oh, episode. Oh, the song, yeah. thong, thong, And the thong That's song right. was... I mean, as a primary school kid, these things don't really clock on. You just yeah. see them as face value. And of course, I also liked... Um, I remember another video that I remembered and wanted to be in so much was <laughs> Sean Paul's Temperature. So this is a reggaeton song yeah. and another and it shows again how like multi-genre MTV was. So in this song uh, called Temperature, there's this big party that's happening in the basement and uh, people are all wearing like street clothing like Timberlands and like crop tops and and they also so MTV also kind of like made popular a lot of athleisure and hip hop style. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, you know, actually, one of my the, my favorite lectures to deliver is like the eighties going to the nineties <laughs> because like I just love all that music videos from then. So we're gonna go a bit back in time mm-hmm. and look at these videos. So obviously, I didn't see them when they were first like put up because MTV arrived before we were even born. Yes. Right. Um, but one of my favorites would be Cindy Lauper's "Girls Just Want to Have Fun." fun. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I find myself going back to that video time and time again, which also reminds me of another song, "Time After Time." But <laughs> never mind. So, "Girls Just Want to Have Fun" was really like a feminist anthem, mm. um, and I mean, I hope 
if you're listening that you go look at all these videos because they are amazing but essentially i really like this video because there's a story to it you know so sometimes music videos you know have these like montages like you kind of like dance here and you dance there and then yeah. there's no like storyline yeah i find myself like really gravitating towards the ones with storylines so um for girls just want to have fun it featured you know like a cast which was like beyond uh, just Cindy Lauper. So there was like Dan Aykroyd um, in character. There was like Lauper's mom, uh, her real mom actually, Catherine, who played herself. And what's amazing about this is that, of course, the title itself tells you is about having fun. And what I like about the video is that Cindy Lauper really has fun with her outfits. You know, so even when she's just wearing pajamas, it's like oh, it's like a really fun animal print. There's like some pops of colour, her hair is like a little bit in disarray, but like in arranged disarray, if that makes sense. And then I think even till today, people still try to dress up as Cindy Lauper yeah. and girls just want to have fun, which is like in this very <laughs> 80s, uh, over-the-top voluminous kind of like ruffled dress um, that's strapless with like her hair kind of like moved to one side, very 80s. And it just began to represent this idea that like women you know wanted to sing to their own tune they wanted to do their own thing they wanted to dress their own way mm -hmm. and you know it's just really empowering right and it wouldn't have been as empowering if it's just a song but with that narrative yeah, with, with that the video look, yeah you know it really just cemented it like kind of put the story across like really quickly yeah yeah, and of course, if we're talking about the eighties, then we have people like Madonna or yeah, or Boy George. Oh my gosh, yeah. I love or Michael Chameleon. Jackson's yeah. Yeah. Thriller. So these were super iconic videos. Exactly. That just like cemented their their status as yeah. like visual performers. Absolutely, and you know, if we go forward and think about how um the music industry also had really close ties with the fashion industry. We can think about that through George Michael's Freedom 90. That's my all-time favorite music video. So it featured like a whole host of um, not only female models, but male models at the time, you know, and it's just them lip syncing to his song, which I thought was brilliant because that's what everybody does, you know, <laughs> like in the bathroom watching MTV. Um, so it was really cool how they kind of mixed and matched that. Yeah. yeah. We had also, of course, uh, Run DMC, which cemented the the popularity for Adidas superstar sneakers mm -hmm. with that song called My Adidas. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, beyond, uh, if we're talking about, you know, female stars at the time, I mean, Madonna was such a fashion icon for women. Um, and, you know, she introduced, like, courses and things like that with, like, the Jean Paul Coltier one we were talking about. Yeah. Um, and these were disseminated into, like, everyone's living room. I mean, not everyone, but, like, a lot of living rooms yeah. through the television, you know, and it gave people ideas for how to dress. Yeah. Um, and more importantly, how they wanted to be and how they could express that through how they dress, right? How they could emulate their yeah. favorite stars dressing the way they did. Um, and... I really like how you talked about how in the 80s, you know, there were all these different kind of styles because in dressing, there were also different styles because at the same time as we had Cindy Lauper, Madonna, we also had people like Annie Lennox, you know, from the yes. band, like the uh, Eurythmics. And she introduced masculine dress for women, right? So she would wear these like men's outfits, uh, men's suits um, in videos such as like Sweet Dreams. 
Sweet dreams are made of these, right? And so that's 1983, the same time as like Michael Jackson's Beat It, the same time as Girls Just Wanna Have Fun 1983. So I think what we're saying is that there was just this plethora of styles that you could go for. You could decide who you wanted to be. You could be free to be whoever. And there was this like entire visual vocabulary that you could adopt. Um, through your wardrobe to express that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the music industry is notorious for kind of grooming their musicians to fit a certain look mm-hmm. that maybe is not in the market or that the market wants, right? So we yeah. see that a lot in K-pop, for example. And recently, there's been this movement called the hashtag Free Britney movement. I know. And Britney, Britney has been like a huge... I mean, she grew... She, she really... Her music videos are like some of my favourites um, as a primary school kid on MTV. So she had... The one that broke through was, um, oops, I did it. Oops, I did it again. Where she's wearing this red latex. Yeah, body she does this suit. hand movement thing, which I can still remember. Like, oops, yeah, I did it again. Yeah, and... and her choreography was perfect. Um, she did. Uh, you drive me crazy, which was kind of based, which was part of the soundtrack for a tin flick. So, a lot of music, fashion, and um films were all kind of really connected in this time. Anyway, what they're saying about the Free Britney movement is that she had very public breakdowns, like where she shaved her hair, she just kind of like went a bit berserk. And what they're saying, and then she ended up uh, being on her on custody. So the Free Britney movement on Instagram and on a lot of hashtags is about... Um, Apparently, she's under custody of her dad and everything yeah. that she does is like controlled by him mm-hmm. even now. So it can be a bit dark. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, so then after I watched... Actually, I got into that story um, because I also watched her on the James Corden, like, carpool karaoke thing. I don't know. I love I love that series. <laughs> and I love how he's, like, always um, inviting not only the very cool, trendy musicians now, but also, like, from yesteryear. So, like, he did one with, like, Paul McCartney as well. But there was one with Britney. Mm. And then you just kind of watch and see... Try to look at signs of, like, is she fine? Is she not fine? Like... <laughs> Um, yeah, but I think the Free Britney movement is really about how she has made so much money based on her hard work um, and effort, and then she doesn't have access to it. She just has like an allowance, which is ridiculous. But who knows what's really happening? Yeah, I mean, all this celebrity in music culture is so abstract for us. Yeah, and but- I think at the same time, like with Britney, it was Christina Aguilera. Like, yes, I always they were, them they, always pitted, they were always pitted against each other. And on the yeah. flip side, you had people like punk rock musicians, Blink-182, and rap stars like Eminem who would make fun of Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears. Yeah. So in Blink-182's All the Small Things, oh my gosh, we haven't mentioned this, but boy bands were a huge thing. So I'm sure, I'm not a guy, so I wouldn't know, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that... Back. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure some guys looked up to boy bands for fashion inspiration. I feel like I, I don't know because I went to like a girl's school yeah, uh, for secondary school. So it's like, we were just like, oh my god. Okay, I, I was never though. But I had friends who were like, oh, I love the Backstreet Boys. Well, I was in and... primary school. I even drew them on my art folio. Oh my god. Okay, now I remember who I had a crush on. Henson. Henson. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I loved Henson. Taylor Henson was my number one crush. I bought magazines where they, you know, you can take out the poster. Yeah from inside the magazine, there is, and I totally kissed it, yeah. There, <laughs> there is research that shows that 
uh, teenage girls, the way that they consume popular culture, it's in a very innocent way. So they, yeah, they just have this, what they call idol culture, mm. which is um, very different from the way that they've studied how boys consume popular culture. Yeah. Um, I never so, thought about that, you know, how boys consume the culture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now we can move on to the hmm. Video Music Awards, also okay. a huge event in sure. th- where they would have live performances, they will nominate and, and give awards to the best v- music videos. Uh, one of my favourite ones was when I was a huge fan of uh, Eminem, so he he performed the real Slim Shady for the VMAs and he had I'm Slim Shady <laughs> yes I'm Slim Shady you sound the real Shady so he yeah. was this really angry uh, rapper who hated everything and everyone but still performed in MTV <laughs> and yeah. had his videos in MTV and I remember when he first came out people were really upset that he wasn't black oh like you know it's not his, yeah. it doesn't belong to I him think, as a genre I think it, it did come up but I mean, even Dr. Dre and like all these big rappers did. He he apparently he has like one of the most uh, one of the widest vocabularies yeah. and the way that he uh, rhymes things yeah. is really great. And he made the white wife beater and like low slung jeans and the bleach blonde look yeah. very popular. It's interesting, right? Because it's very it, it looks very trashy, but yeah. then it's like it becomes. It's interesting how when musicians do this, it suddenly becomes cool. Like you know, yeah. that music factor just makes it so cool. Yeah. yeah, there is something to be said about what they call class. Um, using class as a costume and mm-hmm. or, or as a performance, per, mm-hmm. class performance. So people who are privileged, who like musicians who are able to wear these things and not suffer the repercussions of people who actually live in trailers. Or, yes. You know. Yeah. And one of my most favourite, favourite VMA uh, looks is Lil Kim's um, look where she was wearing, like half, half of her body was exposed and you could see her breasts and she had a matching nipple tape to her garment mm-hmm. on the other side. Yeah. That was so outrageous. Yeah. And it's funny how sometimes when you look at like certain awards, right? Um, with the VMAs, you're always thinking what's going to be the crazy thing that you're going to see. Like it's almost an expect- expectation that they will do something nutty. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah, the little key one is like, yeah, yeah, incredible. And she's wearing this purple wig and... She looks so good. And yeah, her body so is like so amazing. <laughs> Right. Well, some of these looks, I guess, are not easily replicable no. on the street. But yeah, it's a spectacle, and I think yeah. we all appreciate that. Yeah, that spectacular nature. Yeah. Which also then leads us to the meat dress, I guess. Oh yes. That Lady Gaga. Lady Was that Gaga's... to VMAs as well? Yes. Okay. So we're just googling it now, so that we <laughs> we know it's true. Um. So Lady Gaga meat dress. Do we know which year this was? Yes, she wore this in. 2010. Yeah. Mm. Wow. And I mean, it's, it's a dress pre- made of meat. And it's preserved now, so it's kind of like beef jerky dress. It's a jerky <laughs> dress. Yeah. Oh, what a vowel. I know. Thing. No, and the thing is, like, to imagine it against the skin as well. Yeah. And I think what's incredible about these award shows is that, of course, the dresses you wear, I don't think anything is really very comfortable. You know, if we think back to our previous episode about underwear, 
um, and spanks. You know, when we read interviews with people who talk about wearing things to awards, they will say things like, well, I couldn't go to the toilet I because couldn't <laughs> I couldn't breathe. I couldn't go to the toilet because like, well, there is like so much material or like, you know, I just couldn't. And yeah, I had to sit really straight. But that's what happens, right? I mean, you, you feel like it's worth it, you know, to get that image to... Um, build your brand to make a statement yeah I don't know I, I feel uncomfortable every time I look at the meat dress I know me too yeah. <laughs> well what MTV had going for it, it was the fact that it was the only place that music videos were were shown and I in they also got access to these music videos for free like they didn't have to pay for royalties and okay, once they started that. having to pay for royalties and YouTube came up mm. um MTV very famously tried to sue YouTube for mm. for showing videos and of course they failed like it yeah. was just a revolution waiting to happen so now we have access to so many things we have people who curate playlists who curate videos and it's like such a vast ocean now that it's very hard to have like one sole um, yeah. owner of or gatekeeper of this pop culture yeah so true well, for me, I think when I was um, researching this episode, what I was very shocked by is that Art Panichko oh, is yes. now 46. Oh, wow. Okay, so um, I, I don't know how many of you listening remember Art. Um, so he was an MTV VJ for Asia or for Southeast Asia. So there are others like, you know, uh, other names I remember like Denise Keller. Yes. Nati- Nadia Hutagalong. Yes. Right? And um, yeah, but Art, I was like, oh my gosh, he's 46. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Um, but you know he was so cool and you know he would host these like um, shows on MTV and you know when you watch these MTV shows they are just one person standing and then behind there's like these popish backgrounds right yeah. I think one of the, my favorite things about MTV is that they had all these amazing graphic design that was around that MTV yes, logo I love that also. right it was so colorful and playful and kind of made you feel like well anything goes you know and like we can all just be creative he's still so handsome yeah yeah yeah, I liked him a lot as well. You know, and it's so effortless in how they speak and how they yeah, engage. Yeah, he was so fun. And I think for me, what was great about looking at, you know, um, Asian representation, the fact that there is MTV Asia, MTV Southeast Asia, is then that like, oh, okay, that's... Um, these people look like me, you know, and they play music that isn't just, you know, from the West. Um, and it really opened my eyes and ears, you know, to what else was out there and what else was going on creatively in the region. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I don't watch MTV so much, but apparently they're still doing lots of things. And oh. Like, yeah, here I see there's an article about MTV Asia presents Yo! MTV, MTV Raps <laughs> with <laughs> Young Raja, who's this um, Singaporean rapper. Mm. Um, Joe Flizo, Kim Lee, and Zamira. So they are, yeah, there's a lot more representation. Um, people that we can be proud of from yeah. this region. So I guess this is our homage to MTV and how it played um, some part in our growing up and oh, how we identified ourselves, how we explored our identities through, you know, the lyrics, the melodies, and definitely, you know, the clothes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that's all we have for today. Thank you very much for listening. And if you like what you listen to, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Do 
leave us a review as well. We would really appreciate it. And as usual, we will upload um, images that we have discussed on our Instagram account at in the vitrine. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.